0: I'm going to tell you a story you've never heard before because no one knows this story the way I know it. It takes place the night of June 12, 1994, and it concerns the murders of my ex-wife Nicole Brown Simpson and her young friend, Ronald
1: Goldman. It's 25 years ago today that the country learned that Nicole Brown Simpson and her friend Ron Goldman had been brutally murdered. There's never closure. Ron is always
2: gone. He's in a white Bronco, but first of all, he broke the
3: back door down. Wait a minute, what's your name? Nicole Simpson.
2: You ever hurt her? Yes. You ever physically hurt her? Yes. You ever bruise her? Yes. I
0: mean, O.J. created this environment where, you know, cops could just stop by and have a cup of coffee.
3: You wrote in the book, I had never seen so much blood in my life it is hard for me to describe it over 150 detectives evidence points to one person and that person is oj simpson knowing him as you do christy do you believe that he killed his wife
2: yes i do now let's get into
1: it
2: Welcome back to Let's Get Into a Podcast. Today, we are diving into OJ Simpson's story because to be a little bit biased, to be honest, he got away with it. And we're gonna talk about how he finessed the entire situation because there's still so many questions surrounding Nicole Brown Simpson's death. Now, Nicole met OJ the day after she turned 18 years old. She was working in a restaurant when the 29-year-old football star walked in. She admits at 18, she had no idea who he was, but the two would end up getting married in February 1985 until Nicole was murdered in 1994.
3: Um, I want to talk about the first time you met Nicole Brown. It was right on Ordeal,
0: uh, a place called The Daisy. It's a little breakfast place. I had actually gone there because my first wife, Marguerite, and I had just realized and decided the night before that it wasn't working with us. And I ran into a friend of mine. He said, let's have breakfast. And when we walked in, this vision
2: turned to me and said, where do you want to sit? And I remember thinking, what a gorgeous girl. Now you have to admit, right off the bat, there's something wrong here. You're like splitting up with your wife and then the next day you try to fill this void with an 18-year-old waitress. Friends of the couple described their marriage as volatile and dramatic, but the years following their divorce, ahead of Nicole's death, were also reportedly just as intense. And at first, OJ and Nicole, they had fun together. I mean, she's 18 years old and now she's dating a football star. But there were some red flags right away, like OJ would not let Nicole out of His sight. Nicole, also being a young woman, didn't have a lot of people to confide in, and some believe that was on purpose that OJ was trying to isolate her and have full control over her. Now, I want you to remember that this is OJ's second marriage. He actually married his first wife, Marjorie, when she was 19 years old. They were high school sweethearts, and she admits that he was never like really abusive throughout their marriage. But there is something very different about Nicole, maybe, you know, because he didn't grow up with her like he did with Marjorie, but They say the truth is nobody really knew about their marriage while they were married because she wasn't friendly with anyone. Quote, she was never free to be herself or have friends.
3: It was one of multiple occasions that police responded to Rockingham for a domestic disturbance. This time OJ would be charged with spousal abuse and sentenced to 120 hours of community service.
2: Good friend Chris Jenner later told Ellen DeGeneres that no one close to Nicole knew what was going on at home. As she put it, I didn't know that there was abuse until we heard and saw the whole thing unfold like everybody else. And then we heard the 911 tapes that were going to be used in evidence during the trial. It was heartbreaking. I think that Spent this has more been a
1: really tough year, for, you know, tough 15 months for all of us. And not only have we lost Nicole, we've lost OJ too
2: chris says me and some of her other close friends were all really surprised and shocked by that because we felt really failed as her friends it was horrible which i feel like i would probably feel the same way too like if you thought you were close friends with someone and they were going through that and they didn't tell you it just it would be shocking chris mentioned some of those 911 calls as evidence and here's one of them
3: 911 emergency you get someone over here now to 325 gretna green he's back please. Well, okay, what does he look like? He's O.J. Simpson. I think you know his record. Could you just send somebody okay. over here? Okay, what is he doing there? He just drove up again. <laughs> he just drove somebody up. Over? Okay, wait a minute. What kind of car is he in? He's in a white Bronco, but first of all, he broke the back door down to get in before. Okay, wait a minute. What's your name? Nicole Simpson. Okay, is he the sportscaster or whatever? Yeah. Okay. And Thank what you. Is, wait a minute. We're sending the police. What is he doing? Is he threatening you? <laughs> Going nuts. You're going to hear him in a minute. He's about to come in again. Okay, just stay on the line. I don't want to stay on the line. He's going to beat the shit out of me. Wait a
2: minute, wait. Friends also admitted that the problems began with OJ's infidelity because he would cheat, she would find out, she would then confront him, and then he would fight her physically. Now, of course, in the courtroom, we learned a lot more about Nicole's relationship with OJ, and it turns out Nicole did talk to someone, her sister. Her sister, Denise, later testified that she and Nicole were once physically removed from the pair's home, saying he ran upstairs, got clothes, started flying down the stairs, and grabbed Nicole, told her to get out of his house, wanted us all out of his house he picked her up threw her against the wall picked her up threw her out of the house she ended up falling she landed on her elbows and her butt we were all sitting there screaming and crying and then he grabbed me and threw me out of the house which oj is a strong guy you know he was a football player so he can manhandle these women and he should not be doing that striker no you ever hurt her? Yes. You ever physically hurt her? Yes. You ever bruise her? Yes. You had your fingers around her throat, correct? Uh, I could have
0: touched her neck, yes.
2: You mean you could have
0: touched her? This was I a could've...
2: violent episode. You see those bruises on her face? No. You don't see anything?
0: No. I mean, I see this. I think.
2: You don't think uh, this picture reflects any uh, bruising or injuries or marks on Nicole's face? No, I don't. What do you think this reflects?
0: I think it reflects uh, doing a movie that we're doing. We're doing makeup.
2: Okay, you have to admit there's something a little bit in denial here. I mean, he's saying, like, oh, no, this is FX, like, special effects. Like, he's definitely trying everything in his power to save himself. Nicole wrote about 60 occasions that OJ allegedly physically hurt her and threatened her, including during their marriage, claiming he flipped out into a jealous rage and smashed her car up, threw her against walls, and repeatedly left her beaten and bruised. I can't imagine doing that to a partner. Like, can you imagine, like... Being married to someone and then like laying in bed with them and next like being next to someone who's like injured and like you did that like I'm just I'm such a protective person like I like it makes me like irk like I don't know I'm sure some of you people are cringing at home too especially when he's like looking at the pictures and just acting like oh no like you know that's some makeup or something which if it is that's some crazy conspiracy against him but like this sounds really I mean the evidence is evidencing
3: Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.
2: Nicole was able to escape OJ. Obviously, she never really fully escaped him, but she was able to divorce him on February 25, 1990. Four years before she was killed, she ended up moving into a rental home with her children, and by all accounts, Nicole began to enjoy life as a single mom to her kids. The pair settled their divorce in October 1992, and Nicole received a payment of 433 thousand dollars and 10k in child support a month. So, I mean, you know, sure. I don't know if it's like worth all that trauma. I mean, it's definitely not. And the trauma didn't end there. And that's what's really like sick, in my opinion. Like. Someone has legally divorced you as a human. Like they have told you they do not want to be with you. Um, I'm sure she expressed to him that she did not want this. Yeah, he continued to abuse her and kind of got worse. Like after they separated. Like that It sounds like a total nightmare. On the way home, I'd say I'll see if she's home. Because if she's still up, I don't know how late she stayed out.
0: Well, you know, maybe you know, I can get some.
2: <laughs> so he's essentially stalking his ex-wife. Obviously, still so pressed, and the fact that he had this controlling relationship over her and he could not let go of control makes him concerned for his mental health. Like, what is inside of him that's making him feel like he needs to control this woman to the point where she cannot live a peaceful life? Like, she's the most happy she's ever been, like, moving out of this home, and now he is following her. Yes, the
0: police had been to his house multiple times. Uh- We located uh, police officers who had responded to DV calls at the house and hadn't even written a report. I mean, OJ created this environment where, you know, cops could just stop by and have a cup of coffee. Police officers would come to his house and and literally, you know, party and just sort of hang out. Uh, No police officer was really interested in arresting. OJ Simpson for abusing the cult.
2: When you guys hear that the LAPD is corrupt, there you go. And I mean, it's even the same thing like off topic, but like the church of, I can't really even say it on YouTube, but the cult church, they are really well connected with the LAPD too. So it does freak me out because like, if you've got the police on your side, then they're not going to, you know. There's not going to be punishment, there's no justice. But more on that fatal night, because around 10 p.m. on June 12, 1994, a neighbor heard a dog barking near Nicole's home. Another neighbor found Nicole's dog outside barking. The neighbor noticed that the dog's paws were bloody and brought the dog home. It was clear the dog wanted to be outside, so the third neighbor and his wife took the dog for a walk. The dog, named Akita? (laughs) <laughs> Akita that's cute led the man and his wife to Nicole's oh this is why we love dogs like I feel like my dog would totally come to my body too but I don't know I've heard also that if you are there for too long the dog will eat you if they have nothing else or maybe cats I don't know I think it's both but um but at first you know the dog is really sad so um, Nicole's body was found lying in a puddle of blood. Poor dog. Even more poor Nicole. Like, oh my gosh. While Nicole's body is laying outside on the ground, Nicole's children were inside asleep while she and Ron Goldman were killed. When her body was found, her head was nearly completely cut off and Ron had been stabbed over 20 times. Oh my gosh. Also, Nicole and OJ share children. Can you imagine being a type of parent who'd want to take a mother from your own children, like that is also just next level mentally ill. But again, I guess, you know, he was never, you know, we're going to get there <laughs> about the guilty or not guilty, but um, her children didn't know what happened to their mother when they were taken from the home by police. Her eight year old daughter called the family's home and left a message, mommy, please call back. I want to know what happened last night. Please answer mommy.
1: Jesus. It was 25 years ago today that the country learned that Nicole Brown Simpson and her friend, Ron Goldman, had been brutally murdered. Then came the stunning news that Nicole's ex-husband, football legend, OJ Simpson, was the prime suspect.
2: Now this was big news. So it went to trial pretty quickly because there was a lot of public interest Everyone in the world was watching it on TV. On October 2nd, 1995, the jury began deliberating and reached a verdict in less than four hours. However, they delayed the announcement until the following day. On October 3rd, O.J. was found not guilty of the murders of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman. So O.J. was acquitted of the murders of his ex-wife Nicole and her friend. The acquittal was a result of a combination of factors, including the defense's focus on the issues of race, the prosecution's handling of the case, and the media's influence on public opinion. OJ's lawyer, Johnny, was able to win the acquittal by making the trial about race and manipulating the media. The verdict was controversial, with the majority of white Americans believing that OJ was guilty, while a lot of African Americans supported the acquittal. Despite being acquitted from the criminal case, OJ was found liable for the deaths of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman in a civil trial and was ordered to pay $33 million in damages. In
3: 1997, a jury found him liable for the double murders in a civil trial. He was ordered to pay the victim's families $33.5 million in damages.
2: Now let's get into the physical evidence that the prosecutors had and presented to the jury. They said they had some blood drops that were found at the gate of the murder scene. It contained some of OJ's genetic markers. And when OJ was interviewed by police, he did have a cut on his finger. Now let's talk about the gloves because the gloves are my favorite part because he said, like, what does it say? Uh, If the glove don't fit, then you must acquit. An extra large Aries leather glove was found at the murder scene. Another glove that appeared to be its mate was found found on OJ's estate the gloves were covered in blood the blood again according to law enforcement had OJ's markers on it as well as Nicole's and Ron's blood they also found some hair fibers um I guess hairs described as similar to OJ's hair were found in a knit cap he left if I mean if he did it you know he left a lot of evidence strands recovered from Ron's shirt were also identical to the hair on OJ's head so His hair was on the body of Ron and in a little like head cap. We also have some bloody shoe prints. Bloody shoe prints were found at the crime scene. They matched a size 12 Bruno Magle shoe. Magle, Magle, Magle shoe. This shoe is a unique Italian made model. OJ said, oh, I don't own a pair of those, but there was a photo of him wearing them. He also wears the same size 12, so that was submitted as evidence. And
3: remember those bloody footprints at the scene of the murders?
2: Prosecutors at the criminal uh, trial said 12, they were made Ryan by Bruno size 12 Bruno Molly shoes and, 12, and there were Ryan only Bruno 299 shoes. pairs sold in the USA. The striker, in the video deposition, Carter, he insisted yeah, it, he never Carter, owned yeah. a pair.
0: Because I know if Bruno Magli makes shoes that look like the shoes they had in court that's involved in this case, I would have never worn those ugly <laughs> shoes. But then this photo surfaced of
2: Simpson wearing Bruno Molly shoes nine months before the murders took place look at his reaction when he's called back to give another deposition and is shown the photo and then there was a pair of socks that had blood on them that were found in oj's bedroom the blood had the markers of nicole and himself on it so um it was a bloody scene i don't know like i mean you'd think that more than just a cut on his finger would you know, cause that amount of blood for his to be mixed in. Also, along with the physical evidence, the fact that Nicole had recorded 60 domestic violence incidents and reported six should have been more than enough. Also, along with the fact that he once said to Nicole, I could kill you and get away with it because I'm OJ. So there's a lot of evidence here. I think it's pretty sad, like when you look at how people advocate for DV nowadays, that in the 90s, it didn't seemed the same way, but also this story was so just influential and there was a lot of different opinions mixed in but not even with the overwhelming evidence against him he was found not guilty for these three reasons one the glove did not fit which created reasonable doubt he also had a dream team for lawyers which keep in mind that robert kardashian was on his side while kris jenner was sitting on the side of nicole's so there was a little bit of tension there there was also the racial tension in the country at this time because you know they successfully made this like a white and black problem which made it divisive and, you know, if you felt a certain way about your community, you're going to just, you know, stay along with your community. So a lot of people had strong opinions on that and they felt like they were just targeting OJ for being a black man, which I get it. I mean, this country is terrible. Trust me. I we see it every day. So it does happen. But I also just like, you cannot fixate on that when you also have, you know, evidence and she had gone through something. The murder trial happened in late 1994, just two years after the LA riots when thousands of people protested against the acquittal of four white cops who had badly beaten an African-American motorist the year before. The LAPD's approval rating was at an all-time low, and everyone believed every last LA cop was nothing more than a racist. So that's what the defense leaned into. They said the cops were trying to frame OJ and had purposely mishandled the DNA and evidence they collected it also give a lot of MO. I mean, if there's been this much domestic violence, like, you know, who really wants to go out and, you know, off Nicole Brown Simpson? Like, no, there's no one out to go and get her besides OJ.
3: We the jury in the above entitled action find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of penal code section 187A, a felony upon Nicole Brown Simpson, a human being as charged in count one of the information. We the jury in the above entitled action find the defendant Orenthal James Simpson not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of penal code section 187A, a felony upon Ronald Lyle Goldman.
2: Now OJ's face in that moment, even Robert Kardashian is stunned. He's like... Did we just get, did we just get away with this? And while they did, they also kind of didn't. I mean, like I told you earlier, he had to pay a lot of money to the families because they sued him for wrongful death. So he was out over $30 million. But honestly, that's nothing compared to freedom and not having a you know massive criminal charge. Now, OJ kept a low profile for a little bit. He wasn't gone long. Nine years after the civil suit, OJ was back in headlines promoting a book called If I Did It and a television Special. Pinned with the help of a ghostwriter, OJ says the book is a fictional account of the murders if he did it. Okay. Make it make sense. So you got away with it and now you're gonna write a a fictional story about how if you did do it, how it would have gone down. It almost sounds like he's trying to flex this moment. The outraged families of Nicole and Ron took their case to the American public as they should. Quote, the fact that someone is willing to publish this garbage, that Fox is willing to put it on air, is just morally despicable to me. I would hope that no one buys the book, says Ron's father, Fred.
3: Regan and Simpson agreed that he would write a book about the killings. What do you think people are gonna think of this
0: book? Uh, Some people say maybe it's blood money. Well, guess what? every book that was written about this case was blood money
2: now there is an interesting twist to this book because eventually the publisher did not publish it the executives were fired i mean the public outcry was ridiculous and because ron's family sued oj they actually were awarded the rights to the book and they decided to sell it for themselves and maybe they're out here selling this book because ron's sister kim explains that the family has not received any of the money awarded to them from OJ. Quote, OJ's been thumping the nose at us for years. He's been skirting the system. He lives in Florida, so he's protected by the homestead laws there. So they can't attach his NFL pensions to any of his other pensions and this awardman. So they're supposed to be getting $19 million. They haven't gotten any of it because he's using Florida laws to you know avoid paying them, which is kind of morally messed up. I mean, everything's morally messed up at this point. Many of the details in chapter six of this fictional book, The Night in Question, closely matches the evidence presented by prosecuting attorneys in trial. In the book, OJ says that something went horribly wrong at the crime scene and he can't remember how the murders actually happened. The book does say that he recalls seeing Nicole in the fetal position at the base of the stairs and Ron slumped up against a fence in a large pool of blood outside her home. Crime scene photos presented at the trial show two bodies positioned exactly the way that OJ described them in the book. Which I guess if you're going to write a fictional like book, I would assume that you would use pretty much the matching evidence at trial to make it somewhat like match the story. But OJ says that his book is a hypothetical account. Okay. Ron's family doesn't see it that way. Quote, we read it and felt very strongly that this is his way of sort of setting the record straight. He speaks publicly about the fact that he he hates people speaking on his own behalf and he wanted an opportunity to tell it his way additionally this isn't an innocent man writing a book like this an innocent man doesn't write a book about how hypothetically he would decapitate the mother of his children Yeah, that I mean that makes sense. Now remember, this book was released by Ron's family, not by O.J. But once the book was published, O.J. had an interview with Judith Regan in 2006. In the interview, O.J. confesses to the murders by hypothetically recounting every event. He also reveals that he hypothetically had an accomplice who helped him conduct these murders. And of course, watching him just kind of like spill all the beans, it kind of seems like this is his moment telling the truth. And I wonder who this is
0: tell you a story you've never heard before because no one knows this story the way i know it because i know the fact better than anyone
2: no one knows the facts like he does okay i mean that's already like revving us up to i guess tell us exactly what happened seems like he's really excited
3: the chapter chapter six is called the night in question mm-hmm. and you write in the book now picture this and keep in mind that this is Hypothetical. 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 Yes. Why don't you tell me what might have happened on the night of June twelfth,
2: 1994?
0: <laughs> well, first of all, it's, this is very difficult for me to do this. Uh, it was
2: very difficult for me because it's hypothetical. Not them preparing us with the, oh, it's hypothetical, it's hypothetical. Yeah, he's trying to make that very clear. And, that, you know, this is really hard for him to speak about. Which, he's saying this with a smile on his face.
3: You reached under the seat for...
2: Um, a knife. I always kept a knife in my car
0: for the crazies and stuff because you can't travel with a gun. And I remember Charlie saying, you ain't bringing that. And I didn't,
3: but I believe he took it.
2: Charlie took the knife? Yeah. Okay, the way that he's now telling this story sounds like it's exactly him and Charlie doing this. It's also interesting that he adds that little tidbit of, like, I, I actually always keep a, ni- like a knife under my car because the crazies... Um, Okay, so it matches, you know, with what we would expect from these murders. It appears like Nicole had fly- I had, um, candles
0: all the time. She really did to keep her overhead down, I think. And music was on, and uh, while I was there, a guy shows up. You know? So
3: Ron Goldman comes in the back gate.
0: I, I, a guy I really didn't recognize. I, I may have seen him around, but I really didn't recognize him to be anyone. And I, in the mood I was in, I started having words with him.
3: He says to you, "I just came by to return a pair of glasses. Judy left them at the restaurant." You get into a fight. Nicole comes out. A verbal, a verbal, a verbal fight. fight.
0: Got a little loud, and by that time, uh, Nicole had come out, and we started having words about who is this guy, why is he here, what's going on.
3: And, and she and, says, "This is my house. Get that the f out yeah. of here." yes
0: and uh which i didn't like because once again this is the same person and if you read the book you'll see some things that happened in the two weeks leading up to this that were uh,
2: very very irritating the way that he's telling this story reminds me of me like telling a story you know i'm like i'm like looking around kind of you know you're thinking you're like trying to remember trying to remember and also the fact that he like it's not even, like, about the night of the... It's about, like, the lead-up. So, like, if you were to do it, there were certain things that did, could have happened. That it sounds like he's saying they did happen weeks prior to this that were very irritating, that pushed him over the edge. And the way that this hypothetical story is depicting it sounds almost like just a, you know, him casually talking about this moment. Like I rolled up, this guy, Ron was there. We knew that he was super controlling. He did not like the fact that another man was there. It escalated. He had his friend, buddy already there. Already kind of like, I mean, it almost seems like premeditated meditated because like, you know, why would you even want to bring the knife?
0: As things got heated, uh, I just remember the coal fell and uh, this guy kind of got into a karate thing. And I said, well, you think you can kick my ass? And I remember I grabbed the knife. I do remember that portion taking a knife from Charlie and to be honest after that I don't remember except I'm standing there and there's all kind of stuff around and um I hate to say this but this is not, but I don't know, come on, I'm right, sorry right. I know we got to back up again right.
2: <laughs> That's know. okay. It actually makes me like stomach sick hearing him say like how he did the I remember I remember doing this um it just sounds like he's verbatim telling us. And the fact that he would black out, that's pretty, like, typical of people who do these kind of things. Like, they are so enraged. Like, even people who are domestic, you know, violent, you know, perpetrators, they also see red and they just, you know, black out. And they go into this fit. And that's exactly what he's describing with a smile on his face, saying, like, I remember this. I remember that. If you're Like, you remember writing that? Or you remember telling the ghostwriter to, like, you made, I just, what do you remember? Do you remember writing the story with the ghostwriter? Do you remember telling the ghostwriter this idea? Do you remember actually participating and committing this crime? Sounds like you're remembering this moment. Also, I want to point out the fact that he said that Ron did this karate thing.
0: And, uh, this guy kind of got into a karate thing. And I said, well, you think you can kick
2: my ass? Now I want you guys to pay attention to this part. By stating that Ron performed a quote karate thing, OJ potentially revealed his involvement in the crime and his presence at the crime scene. This is majorly significant because Ron Goldman was a black belt and how would OJ know that? Actually, the autopsy report revealed that Ron fought back before being brutally murdered. So it's really convenient that OJ knows exactly how this man would fight. And I also wonder if like the prosecution looked over this Book and found additional evidence that would like suggest more. I mean, I feel like this is almost like a call for a mistrial because like he is giving us things that like he is admitting that only this person in that moment would know.
3: Um, you wrote in the book, I had never seen so much blood in my life. Can you describe yeah, it?
2: I, I, it's hard for me to
0: describe it, I'm telling you. I don't think any two people could be uh, murdered the way they were without everybody being covered in blood. And, of course, I think we've all seen the grisly pictures after.
2: Still so insane to me how he's admitting to this crime scene and the blood being everywhere, and to the fact that he could even do that to someone he once loved. You
3: write about removing a glove before taking the knife from Charlie. Uh,
0: you know, I had no conscious memory of doing that, but obviously I must have
3: because they found a the glove there. And blacking out. Have no. you ever blacked out before?
0: Not to my knowledge. No. No, of course... Uh, of course, if something like this would take place in anybody's life, if it were to happen, I would imagine it's something that you would probably automatically
2: uh, have trouble wrapping your your mind around it. There's also an element at play of him like convincing himself here. He's definitely convinced himself that he's like, you know, it, almost that it seems like the murder would have been just like he is an innocent man. Even retelling the story for clout, it just seems like he loves the attention for this. And he's like. It, there's either no conscious or there's just like some real need for attention. And this almost still gives him control over Nicole in a way, like controlling this story, this narrative, talking about it and making money from it.
3: You see bloody footprints and you decide to take off.
2: Yes. Actually, I, I believe Charlie kept saying, we got to get out of here.
3: In the book, you describe taking off your shoes, your pants and your shirt and dropping it in a bundle. Uh, yes. Do you remember what happened? Because what next? are you going to
0: do with it? <laughs> you know, somebody's got to get rid of... Uh, as you may have called during the trial, is that where are the bloody clothes? So somebody had to get rid of the bloody clothes. Right.
2: I like how this woman is interviewing him because she's like, kind of like making him comfortable. I mean, he's obviously way too comfortable for someone who has gone through this, um, but she's really asking these pointed questions that I feel like he would only know and would only make sense if he was present.
3: So you get back in the car, put them yeah, in the bundle. and
0: drove back, parked the block away because I knew the limo would be there and came across the backyard through the two tennis courts and, you know, came through the house. So you went through the neighbors? Neighbors, yeah. He had a tennis court, then I had a tennis court.
3: And you go into the house and? I, I, I,
0: I ran upstairs to take a shower. I actually ran upstairs and took some of my bags and came back downstairs and put them out front.
2: You also probably notice the way that he's describing this in a non-theoretical way. Like, oh, if I were to, then I probably would have gone through this way. I probably would have gone, you know, washed my clothes and my, you know, got rid of the evidence and got cleaned up. I probably would have. There's no probably. There's no, like, it's just I would have done. I did do that. He's not saying I would have. He's saying I absolutely did do that. I went upstairs. I, I dropped a bag of clothes out at the front door, just quickly trying to clean himself up.
3: When did you cut your finger?
0: um to my knowledge really with, when I got the call the next morning and this is the truth um when I got the call the next morning saying that Nicole had been murdered I' been was killed was dead and I kept saying what do you mean dead uh killed or whatever the words they use I said what do you mean and as well we can't tell you anything uh we're still investigating but where are you and when can you get back here and, and I think I actually went in the bathroom and it was dawning on me I was I didn't really throw a glass. I just was, you know, you, you you. And when I was putting it down, I just, it just smashed, <laughs> you
3: know? Police believed that the cuts on OJ's hand probably came from the fingernails of one of his victims.
2: When he says the truth is, it's like, okay, well then I'm hearing you out. The truth is what? Tell us what the truth is. And he's saying that he like smashed like A glass and cut his fingers up that seems awfully convenient throughout the years many people have come forward and admitted that they believe oj is guilty based on the comments he's made and i don't know who his publicist is but the people that are pushing him out to do these interviews are on the wrong side now you guys may remember that oj was married to marjorie in the beginning and she had you know fine reviews about him. Well, he ended up meeting another woman right after Nicole. So her name is Christy Prody and she claims she was physically and verbally harmed by OJ throughout their relationship. She met him in 1995 a year after Nicole had been killed and they've been together for 13 years. She believes he's guilty of the murders because he had told her things only the killer would know. Which is why when you're in a relationship, I mean, when I'm dating someone I get very close to them. I'm actually single right now. I think everyone knows that. <laughs> I make it very clear. I'm like, "If you know, one guy out there is watching this video, but um, anyways, when you're close with someone and dating them and married to them, you do tell them a lot about your life. I told my partner everything, so um, I wouldn't be surprised if O.J. throughout the years, like I had told her what the truth is.
1: She stood by O.J. for 13 years, but now Christy Prody says she feared for her life. Prody claims O.J. subjected her to constant physical and emotional abuse and even threatened to kill her, something he denies. Prody says O.J. constantly compared her to Nicole and convinced her to get breast implants to look more like his deceased ex-wife. Police were even called four times to intervene in their relationship. Prody says she's convinced O.J. committed the murders based on comments he made over the years claiming he told her details only the killer would know. Still, she supported him throughout his trial for armed robbery and kidnapping, but she's not standing by OJ anymore. It
2: is pretty freaky how he tried to replace his Nicole with her. He just wanted to fill that void, and, I mean, she has spoken out about him, which I think is good for her because, like, protect yourself at all costs. I don't know if he was as controlling as he was with Nicole, but she has shared that she very much feels like he is capable of committing this.
3: Knowing him as you do, Christy, do you believe that he killed his wife? Yes, I do now, absolutely. And why now do you? Things he's mentioned about Nicole, her having had it coming because of her lifestyle and who she hung out with.
2: And there's a correctional officer who actually spent some time with O.J. and this person feels that he is guilty off of what he heard O.J. say. Retired correctional officer Jeffrey Felix is the author of the new tell-all book, Guarding the Juice, How O.J. Simpson Became My Prison BFF. He says that for seven years he was Simpson's closest confidant at Nevada's Lovelock Correctional Center where OJ is serving a 33-year sentence for kidnapping and armed robbery. OJ told me one time that only two people alive know who committed the Brentwood murders, him and Al Callens. Al Callens was the one that drove the white Bronco, and Al Callens was OJ's best friend. When OJ was washing his hands and looked in the mirror, I just said, Juice, you just solved the Brentwood murders. You're looking at the murder right in in the mirror and he just kind of gave me a glare he gave me kind of a dirty look and then he kind of smiled afterwards he kind of shrugged it off a little bit it's so interesting to me that this man described oj as his like prison best friend because there's something like very you know you hear about these serial killers and these people are often like i mean Sometimes they're just, like, absolutely, like, asocial, but then sometimes they're charming. And I think OJ's got this charming factor to where the police want to be friends with them. Like, the correctional officers want to be friends with them. Everyone wants to be friends with them, so it's hard to hate them and to, you know, recognize the bad parts when everything seems so great. Kato Kalen, OJ's friend who lived in OJ's guest house, believed OJ was guilty after all the evidence was shown. Kato was also in the guest house the night of the murder and testified that he went to McDonald's with OJ around 9.20 p.m. and heard OJ... O.J. come back to the house after the murder took place. Here's a clip of Cato talking about what he experienced that night. The verdict is read. Not guilty. Were you with Barbara Walters? this was happening? I was uh, sitting, uh, as
3: I'm sitting here, Barbara Walters sitting next to me and she looked at me. I whispered to her, I go, I think they made a huge mistake. I think with time that's gone by, I think more and more people see that now. In this being 2023 right now, I think the majority of people think OJ is guilty. Okay, and you feel that OJ did it and he did it by himself. Yeah, I feel that because after meeting with detectives, having, this is the most investigated case in the history of murder cases, Mm. over 150 detectives. And every one of them said that their evidence points to one person. And that person is O.J. Simpson.
2: It's wild to see all these people speak out and nobody really, like, holds him accountable. Even his manager asked him straight up, like, O.J., did you kill these people? And he never really answers the question. He says, like, you don't want to know. So, um, yeah, that's definitely not
1: a no. Did he ever openly admit that he was
2: involved? No, but he never said he wasn't. First thing I asked him was, did you kill those people? And instead of saying, no, I didn't kill those people. I had nothing to do with it. He always said, you don't want to know what happened that night. Let it go. Despite getting away with this one, OJ has found himself in more trouble. For instance, in Las Vegas, September 2007, OJ led a group of men into a hotel casino to steal what he claimed was his own memorabilia. He was charged with a number of felony counts, including kidnapping and armed robbery. Because of this robbery in Las Vegas, he was convicted. And actually, he was sentenced to up to 33 years in prison. Now, we all know he went to serve some time, but he eventually got out and he has been out in the streets, but he still has a bunch of money to pay Ron's family. Actually, Ron's father, Fred, claims that OJ now owes them $96 billion because these amounts generate significant interest. The number also remains high because OJ allegedly hasn't paid much of the amount. As of February 2021, Fred claims he's only been paid $123,000. OJ is currently worth $3-6 million dollars from his NFL pension. But as I explained earlier, he is in Florida and Florida has some wacky laws so he's been able to avoid paying them at all, or I feel like he could get prison time for not paying. Even though he's in prison and the NFL pension is coming through, the money is protected in Florida from creditors so they cannot go and seek any of that money that they are owed from him so now it seems like oj's living the high life i mean he's out here in the streets he's you know doing his thing um i would be scared to be with him i would be scared to be associated with him honestly i feel like if i was even in the same room i would just be scared to be around him because there's something about his aura which is must be compelling that people will like him but also really scary. So I want to hear what you guys think in the comments below. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I'll see you in a new one soon. Bye guys.
1: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well.